to Bernier in the middle. Bernier sees Felipe open. Felipe runs. Felipe says the vial. The vial is open. The vial shoots. Oh, right, right, it's up. The woodworks. And welcome, good day, good night, and welcome to the first ever edition of Off the Woodworks Live. Daniel Firestein, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me on on this, uh, this interesting day in MLS. It is, right? A big yep. trade out of Montreal and New York. Felipe Martins has been traded to the New York Red Bulls in return of Eric Alexander, Ambrose Yongo, international spot, and some allocation money. You know, uh, on top of it, uh, Daniel, the Red Bulls received the top spot of allocation process. Absolutely, uh, which means of one of two things. Obviously, uh, they've been wanting to bring over Sasha Kleistian, uh back to MLS and come over to play for the Red Bulls. At the same time, maybe uh, if it's not Kleistian, uh it could be a bigger signing that they might want to bring over, maybe uh, as an attack partner with Bradley Wright Phillips right now. We don't know what the situation is on that one. But losing a player like... Ambrose Ayongo to see what he did last year mm-hmm. uh, in the regular season. Of course, some great playoff moments as well against Sporting Kansas City coming off the bench. Uh, this kid was very versatile. He's still with Cameroon at the African Cup of Nations tournament. Uh, he's been terrorizing both the left back side, the right back side, uh, the right wing on the in the midfield. Uh, this kid has great pace. He has great uh, football sense, if you want to say it, soccer sense, mm-hmm. uh, on the field. He knows when to cross. He knows when to attack. He knows when to defend. This kid, uh, a great find for the Red Bulls last year uh, with Mike Petke as the manager at the time. But uh, obviously, it's uh, it's one of those things where, look, you got to give up something to get something. And even though they got top allocation, uh, on the allocation order. Uh, Eric Alexander was also a, a solid midfielder. He played in that 4-2-3-1 uh, setup, and they had him with Dax McCarty as a defensive mid. He can go forward whenever he wants. But still, you got to give up something to get something. And right now, while I think this is a good deal for Montreal, obviously you have a Cameroonian uh, player that can speak French, obviously, but um, this is a good deal for both teams, it looks like. Well, obviously now for Montreal, they get a lot of that deal. And the first thought I had, it was this seemed a little lopsided because Montreal gets allocation money with two established MLS player with a young star, 23-year-old, Oyongo, uh, not dominated, but established himself with a team that wasn't really easy, took a veteran spot and held it. And the coach had to find a way to get him on the pitch throughout the rest of the season. And that's impressive for a 23-year-old in a league where usually when you're 23, you're struggling to get some playing time with your first team. And Ayongo did that, and now he's going to start with a almost totally francophone backline. could happen, and that could be really interesting going forward with Montreal too, with the addition of Sumara and Sima. It could be very interesting, but uh, it's almost... We heard rumblings in the last couple of weeks, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. about Felipe. It's uh, New York that initiated the trade with the Montreal Impact. They really wanted Felipe, and I think Jesse Marsh has a lot to do with that. Absolutely, and you know with Jesse Marsh being the first uh, head coach in MLS <laughs> for the Impact uh, that you know he wanted some players in Montreal. I mean, he, obviously, why wouldn't he want to have Felipe back over 
why wouldn't Felipe uh, want to be back with Jesse Marsh? Because Jesse Marsh was probably the man that brought him over uh, from Brazil to be a part of that Montreal Impact team. And you know what? We're going to see what he can do now. I mean, now he's got a lot of intangibles now in midfield. We still have Peggy Luyendula, mm-hmm. still have Lloyd Sam. You know, will Jesse Marsh... Uh, go back to a 4-4-2. I think that's what we're going to see here now. Uh, There's also some uh, rumors going around that the Red Bulls are still trying to get a center back because they let Olave go back to Real Salt Lake. So the rumors I've been hearing, uh, a French center back in Zubar. Okay. Uh, I forget his first name at the moment, but if you contact those guys over at French Football Weekly, uh, Jonathan Johnson and Andrew Gibney, they'll let you know what's going on. It's been going around anyway, but uh, that's Interesting to see. Uh, Ibrahim Sakaya looks like he's been resigned. Uh, they've resigned uh, center back, Frenchman center back da- Damien Perinel uh, back with the club after they let him go. So probably came back at a lower price. Uh, so at the moment, maybe defense seems to be okay now with the center backs being signed. Uh, midfield is always looking to be solid as well for the Red Bulls. Up top, it all depends on. Who is going to be up top with Bradley Wright Phillips? Because there are rumors going around that Tim Cahill found a way to get out of his last year on his Red Bull contract to go play for some club in the United Arab Emirates, Alwanda or Alwandi, I think it's called. I'm not sure. I don't want to butcher the name, but if we're looking at probably, I think is the most underrated player in that trade, the most overlooked player in that trade, Eric Alexander. I've been looking at his stats the last couple years, and if we're looking. Since 2010, he played an average of 34 games per season. That's consistent. Might have been with three different clubs, but he still played 34 games average. The thing about Eric Alexander is this, is that he's very solid defensively. He can definitely play defense with the ball on on that side of the ball. It's not a problem. Every once in a while, you know, when he has the offensive capabilities to score at least maybe – nine, ten goals a season, maybe a little bit more. Once in a while, when he does go forward, he just either he's not sure of himself or <coughs> when he does get into those offensive opportunities, either they're in the, in the back of the net or they're just over the net. So that's the one little knock I would say about Eric Alexander. At times when he's attacking, he's not really sure of himself. But that's why Mike did the 4-3-2, uh, 4-2-3-1 uh, formation uh, from the middle of the season all the way to the end because, you know, you need to find a way to help out uh, keep some of those balls away from the back line and the, and the net. Absolutely. And if we're looking at Oyongo, he was a young player. He came in last re- last year, I was talking about, at the end of June, and took Roy Miller's spot, and they had to find a place after when Roy Miller came back to make him play. What do you think is Oyongo's most most impressive weapon, the one thing that he's going to bring Montreal that for a young 23-year-old is the most impressive? His smarts. Uh, Honestly, he's very smart. He's very smart with the ball. He knows when to cross. He knows when to attack. He knows when to come back and defend. He is a kid that is fearless on either the back line, on the fullbacks, or uh, when he's attacking up the right side. This kid, even on the left side, this kid is just absolutely phenomenal. He's fearless. He just knows when to attack. He knows when to pass. He knows when to cross. The only time you saw him flustered was in the second leg of the Eastern Conference Final up at Foxborough uh, in Gillette Stadium against New England. That's the only time he seemed flustered. Other than that, 
He's very smart. I enjoyed watching him play. I enjoyed seeing him play for the Red Bulls. And, you know, going back to the you know the whole situation with Bradley Ray Phillips, well, he only scored all those goals because Thierry Henry assisted him. The truth of the matter is, Oyongo is also responsible for a couple of those goals as well. He is responsible for making some great crosses to Bradley Wright Phillips. I remember the the July 4th game at BBVA Compass Stadium against the Houston Dynamo. He had the ball. He juked three times back and forth near the end line at BBVA, and then he crossed it to Wright Phillips, who headed the ball in for a second goal of the match. That is how smart and how talented Ambrose Oyongo is, the Cameroonian international, and like we said before, he's already at the African Cup of Nations for his country. He already scored an equalizer in the first group stage match against their opponents. This kid has a bright future, not just for the Cameroonian uh, national team, possibly for World Cup qualifying for them, but you know what? <clears throat> he is definitely going to do a lot of great things in the Major League Soccer. He, he already has done. Okay, let's just talk about, let's be realistic and talk about maybe the down point of Eric Alexander. If we're looking at it over the years, he's still a journeyman. He's been in three clubs in the last four years. Yes, he was two seasons with New York, and it looked like he might have found a home in New York, but the future said differently. What is the one thing that we might be disappointed watching him play the next season in Montreal? I think, like I've said before, at at times his, he, he, does, he looks like he's unsure of going forward. At times he looks like he's not sure of his abilities, that he can be an attacking player. Uh, that bit of, uh, I wouldn't say absent-minded, but that little sense of doubt is at the moment kind of hampering him. Can he be a solid defensive midfielder? Yes, we've seen him play well defensively. That's not the problem. The problem with Eric Alexander at times is his offensive abilities when he's going forward. If he is being put um, in a wing role, because he's naturally a central midfielder, whether it's attacking or defending, he's naturally a central midfielder. You put him out in the wings, he seems to be a little bit better coming from the wings. Other than that, at times, he's still a little unsure going forward, and that could be the Achilles heel if Montreal's going to use him. All right, let's talk about Felipe. Uh, we've seen Felipe here in a long time, and his best year was probably his first with Montreal in 2012 when Jesse Marsh was his coach. We all know that Jesse Marsh now is the coach of the Red Bulls New York. Uh, how was Jesse Marsh? Uh, how is the beginning of Jesse Marsh with the Red Bulls right now, and uh, what do you think you can expect out of Felipe as well? We'll start with well, Jesse Marsh. Well, first things first, uh, obviously we're going to have to go all the way back to the to the Red Bull Town Hall meeting with the season ticket holders. Um, amazingly, Jesse Marsh came out, I would think, at the start burning because of the uh, because of this Mike Pecky situation, obviously. Just to let our uh, Montreal listeners know, Pecky was really loved by the supporters and had mm-hmm. all the supporters behind its back, and he did a very emotional Empire of Soccer podcast, if you want to listen to it, where he mm-hmm. did a really emotional coming out of how he loved the club and he wants still to be part and all that. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> just continue, yeah. No, that's fine. And uh, all I can say is, is that I think out of that town hall meeting, Jesse Marsh came, came out of it ver- from burning hot to completely cooled off and winning the fans over. Uh, obviously, there'll still be those that'll be loyal to Mike Pecky. And uh, look, I don't have a problem with that. 
uh, myself personally. And once again, Jesse Marsh is not at fault here. Jesse Marsh, obviously, what are you going to do? You know, you get a call for a job, you're going to take it. It's not like Jesse all of a sudden contacted the Red Bulls saying, get rid of Petke, I want to take over. That's not what happened here. Uh, this was all Ali Curtis, who was, became the sporting director, taking over for Andy Roxburgh. But not to rehash the whole thing, let me just say this. I think Jesse Marsh right now uh, has the support of the fans here at New York and Red Bull and the New York Red Bulls. Uh, he is the man right now uh, faced with shaping this roster, which at the moment uh, it looks like it's starting to come to fruition. Uh, but obviously we are in end of January right now. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen uh, during preseason, of course, with the CBA negotiations going on and then how the season will start on the first weekend of March. So uh, I would say right now Marsh is doing okay. Uh, you know as well as I do, Felipe Martins is a very good central attacking midfielder. Yeah. He knows what to do with the ball. You've seen him with so many DeVio goals, obviously, last year oh, yeah. and the year before. Especially um, the year before. Especially the year before, correct. Uh, especially during uh, the Champions League run that they had. Yeah, of course, uh, absolutely. And, of course, they're going to be in the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, next couple of weeks. Late, yep, next couple of weeks in late February. Weeks, yeah. um, I think right now this is the central attacking midfielder the Red Bulls have not had since Amado Guevara uh, when he was here at the club. Uh, I know there's a m good amount of people that have been dying and begging for a uh, central attacking midfielder for a long time now. Since, oh, you had Junino uh, a couple years ago. Um, I think, you know, uh, once again, Thierry Henry retired. Um, rumors of Cahill trying to get out of his contract to go play in the UAE, um, which would mean Luyendula might either be... You know what? I, I just thought of it now. I wouldn't be surprised if Luyendula would be maybe behind Martins or maybe ahead of Martins to be that withdrawn forward, possibly. And then you have Bradley Wright Phillips more up top. And then you could have Martins playing a little pinball with Luyan Dula and Bradley Wright Phillips. So this could be a deadly middle in the uh, field for an attacking combination. We, uh, this is just my idea, of course. We don't know what Jesse Marsh is going to do, but it, it's shaping up to be that type of a side. It looks like. All right, you're listening to Off the Woodworks live. Felipe to New York edition show. If you want to reach us, you can do it on Twitter right now at Off the Woodworks. <laughs> And if you have any questions for me or Daniel, you can reach us at Off The Woodworks. Now, with a Felipe going to New York, and we've seen him with Flair, New York had a bad experience with a central attacking midfielder in the last couple of years, a Brazilian per se as well, a Junino. How do you think that experience might affect that, the fact that Felipe is now, or do you think those two are totally different and Felipe might be the answer to your, uh, your problems? Um, I'll say this about Janinho. Uh, he just didn't look like he was the answer. It looked like he was a bit lost out there. Um, obviously, he's a much older player. Uh, you know how some players are. You know they'll, they'll either believe in the philosophy of the head coach or they will not believe in the philosophy of the head coach. So right now, I think that Martins will be a different player because here's the thing. I mean, Pecky's not there. So obviously, that's the only way you could have compared the two. Pecky started his coaching career, or I should say his head coaching career, uh, inheriting Juninho because he knew uh, Gerard Houllier, who's the global president of Red Bull Soccer. 
So that's, you know, Marsh knows Felipe, Felipe knows Marsh. So in a certain sense, I don't think you can compare the two that way. If you want to compare the two, uh, obviously Juninho still can deliver those booming free kicks and uh, setting up goals or putting it into the, into the, uh, into the net himself. Martins is basically a wizard with the ball in his foot, and he knows what to do. As they say, or as I like to say it, he's like a shark in the midfield. He can slalom all over the place, and then when he's ready to strike, he will. If we're talking about going back to the trade, uh, when we see trades in all sports, we're always trying to find a winner and a loser in that trade, or if it's equal. Uh, remember an example last year when Colin Warner in Montreal got traded to Toronto and Inisa Nakajima Ferran came to Montreal. We thought that Montreal won that trade. When hindsight, a year later, not even a couple months later, many months later, we realized that Toronto won that trade hands down. Now, when you look at the Montreal and New York trade, on paper right now, it looks like Montreal is winning that trade. Who do you think, in hindsight, in a year from now, will be better off, Montreal or New York? You know, that's really hard to predict. I mean, I try not to look at winners or losers on any trades. I like to say this. Um, I feel bad for Oyongo not being here anymore because I thought he was a great answer. And, of course, uh, he's a hot commodity. I mean, who else? I mean, I mean, who else wants Ambrose Oyongo, a young 23-year-old uh, that's very versatile as wingbacks, I mean, uh, as a, uh, a right-sided midfielder? Yeah. to attack and to cross the way he does, I mean, without any fear. Um, meanwhile, the Red Bulls gain something they haven't had in a long period of time. So you can say that I think both sides are winners with the needs they needed to fill. Did New Eric York pay El- too much? Did New York pay too much then? That's fine. If they pay too much, then they pay too much because they wanted that top allocation order. They wanted to bring someone over. And if that's Kleistian, yeah. then Sasha's going to come and play uh, in his hometown uh, club. And that's the big question, isn't it? It's going to be who's going to be brought over with the top allocation spot <coughs> and the money. If they paid too much, then you know what? They'll say it was worth the, the money to pay for it. But then again, we don't know what's going to happen right now. I do agree with you that Oyongo and Montreal are the winners in this deal. But We'll have to wait and see if there's going to be a season. Well, for me, it's... Yeah, that's true. That's another thing. Well, we might touch it in a second. But it's the Eric Alexander on top of the allocation money, on top of international spot, on top of Oyongo. That seems a lot for just Felipe for me. If you're looking at the Felipe of the last year and a half or last uh, two years, if you're taking the Felipe of 2012, it might be a decent deal. That's just depending what the return is going to be on Felipe's part in New York. If Jesse Marsh can get that spark that he gave Felipe in 2012 back for the Red Bulls, it could really bite the Montreal Impact in the ass in the long run. Well, it depends what's going to happen with the way Felipe gels with New York. And the fact that a trade's been made at the beginning of the training camp instead of at the end of the training camp, that might be beneficial for both clubs because... Oyango is going to get a chance to agree with Sima and with Soumare and with Lefebvre and any other Frenchman that can French-speaking defender that could be with Montreal Impact. And that's what it looks like. And I'm happy in a way because they're finally using the one thing that differentiates the Montreal Impact from the other 19 club in MLS is that they have a French city. They can attract those French-speaking players better. And if that can be in a small advantage on the pitch as they can communicate a little bit better between <clears> them <throat> secretly because the other guys don't understand them, We'll take any single advantage we can get. We finished last in the league. We need but, whatever we can, so I'm happy with that. 
but don't forget, because Peggy Luyendula speaks French as well, and if he hears what they're saying, he'll just pass it along. Yeah, but he's going to be far. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just a, I know what you say. I know. I know. Detail. It could be. It, who knows if it can have an, an an impact? No pun intended, but it could be mm-hmm. something different. So that's going to be interesting. You're talking about if there's going to be a season, yes, because the CBA finishes at the end of the month. It's going to be interesting to see if there's going to be a lockout eventually. It's going to be a strike because the players did speak about the word strike in the last few days. If you're talking about the Players Association, if you want to listen to the Two Solitude Soccer podcast that just came out a couple of hours ago, we have a whole segment about the CBA and what can happen. But I'll ask you this, Daniel. Do you think that the coverage, because right now it's came on the low profile. The league doesn't talk about it at all. It's only the Players Association fighting to get some publication time to those uh, related news. Do you think the CBA is going to be ratified or we're going to be a lockout or a strike before the beginning of the season? You know, I talked to some sources of my own and uh, some are just saying that they just think this thing's going to get ratified. Personally, this whole outburst just got started uh, like maybe a week or two ago. And right now, maybe that's a game changer because the players are talking and the league is not saying a word meaning either the players have a trick up their sleeves or maybe the league is confident enough that a deal is going to get uh is going to get reached personally I don't know I want to wait till I officially hear we got a deal from both sides or if one side is going to either strike or lock out um right now we got a game changer on our hands Kevin and you know, I understand what the players want. The players want what every other professional athlete is able to get, whether it's in the United States, Canada. Not even, North they don't America. even asking that much. They're asking for the people who don't know. They're asking for a free agency. Yes, but what exactly. I'm in, what I'm envisioning them, it's not even free agency. If you're talking about the Zavaleta case that just signed with Toronto, he's a good mm-hmm. example that we talked on the Two Solitudes podcast. It's him. His team didn't want him anymore. He used to be a Generation Adidas player. They don't want to pay that yep. much. And he's just stuck not playing if he doesn't get into an agreement with the team at a lower cost. So there could be a way that in the CBA, the next one, if your team doesn't want to pay you that much, they can release you and you can negotiate your own terms with another team. Because who knows, you might not want to play for Toronto for 30000 but you might want to play for Seattle. Who knows, you might be from there and you might want to play for that team for that amount of money because that's no, your from. No, I agree with you. Th- that I, could I be an agree. option, right? No, I do agree. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I don't want free agency for the players. I would like for them to have free agency. I'm just saying that you know they're just screaming for the same thing that every other professional athlete, hockey, What baseball. I'm saying is you're asking for even less than what the baseball and hockey and football Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying, and, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm just telling you that you know the free when, – when you are not playing for a team or a team doesn't want you anymore – and they want to be a free agent, meaning that that team no longer has your rights. Yes, because yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Because in the single entity structure, even if they let you go, they still hold your rights. Yes, an MLS exactly. club, and that's what I'm trying to explain is that that's the what they want. They want total free agency. If you're going to, uh, let's just say for the heck of it, um, let's just say for the heck of it, uh, Zardes decides to go to LA. Let me go. I don't want to be here anymore. That means you let me go. You take away. My, you don't hold my rights anymore. And I'm gonna go and sign for a club that either wants me or I want them. And then we'll negotiate. That's all I'm saying. Yep. I'm not saying like you know they're gonna get like a multi-million dollar contract. I'm just saying that you know MLS players want 
what every other player that plays this sport or here in North America, hockey, baseball, basketball, the NFL, the CFL, they want to be a free agent. They don't want you to uh, hold their rights just so you can get a trade with another club and, and you know, uh, take uh, whatever liberties you want with your fellow MLS club. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that's what the players want. And I'm, all I'm saying is it would be nice if they got it, but we'll see what happens. Exactly. I just there's such a different type of skill that the power the players association have in the MLS compared to the other top sports in North America the mm-hmm. the amount of money between the two sides not the money they're asking between the money that they have to be to bring to the negotiating table which means the power they have in their statements on the negotiating table if you don't have a lot of money behind you your words can only mean so much if you want to strike yeah, you just started your training camp, and the majority of the MLS players don't make millions at all. They barely make 100000 The average is below that. So they can't really get prepared that much to strike for years and years compared to other leagues. That, that could be the case. And that's why I'm afraid a lockout could be decreed a couple of weeks from now, because beginning of a training camp, it's still time to lock out the players without having time to get ready for it. And it's a bargaining chip that they don't have to bring to the table eventually and that could be really important in those negotiations because the league has two new franchises coming into effect this year and they don't want to have a work stoppage because that would really look bad for those two teams and the market of those two teams so the league will do anything they can to have the most bargaining chip at that poker table well i'll I'll say this uh i think orlando has basically more to lose than new york city fc because new york city fc is uh a fil- they are a uh, a minor league side to Manchester City. Uh, that's the truth. Yeah, we you saw, saw that. What happened. You saw what happened with the Frank Lampard situation. Uh, that was a complete fiasco. It was a disaster. And I mean, that's the truth. That's the yeah. truth, really. Yeah. I mean, Orlando since uh, since banging their drums and uh, you know making a lot of noise down in Central Florida that they wanted to be in Major League Soccer. Uh, the league didn't take them seriously, so Orlando City forced them to take uh, to take them seriously, and look at where they are now. And and they would be the bigger ones to lose than Manchester City's uh, AAA team in uh, the Bronx. Absolutely. All right, let's go back to the trade for the final thought of this live show here of the Woodworks number eighty on live on YouTube here at Google Plus as well, and you will be able to listen to this show on all the podcast platform where of the Woodworks is usually available, Stitcher <laughs> included. Daniel, what's your final thought about that trade that happened today? Well, once again, I think both sides have one. Uh, I in in Oyongo and uh, and Martins, obviously, uh, Montreal will get another French-speaking player uh, to join their ranks. Uh, he will be a solid young attacking player, uh, whether it's the fullbacks or on the right wing side of the midfield. Uh, for the Red Bulls, they get uh, one of Jesse Marsh's uh, big guns mm-hmm. from 2012. Uh, I think he's going to patrol the midfield very well. Um, I have a funny feeling he's going to use uh, Martins uh, centrally up top with uh, w- with having Luyendula and Bradley Wright Phillips up top ahead of him. Uh, obviously, the wild cards will be Alexander from Montreal and the who's coming over in the top allocation order uh, to the Red Bulls. If it is Sasha Kleistian, it could be another American player. We don't know. Yeah. But obviously, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks, hopefully, uh, if there is a season. So at the moment, uh, I call it even, personally. Uh, 
we'll find out when the season starts, and then maybe we can uh, come back again here, and uh, we'll just uh, review this the, the trade, and we'll see who officially did win this race. My final thought on the trade today is that the Montreal Impact are went from having one of the worst defense last year to one of the best on paper right now. I'm still not sold on Sumare. I still think he's a reckless player, and we'll have to see what happens with him. But the rest of it, I'm sold, and I believe the Impact have a great defense going forward. Thanks a lot for joining us on this live show, live edition of Off The Works. Uh, tonight, Firestone Fire, I'll be the guest. Talk about uh, Felipe and talk about the Red Bulls as well. Daniel, thanks all for joining us today. Thank you. I'll talk to you at 9 o'clock tonight. See you then. 9 o'clock tonight, Blog Talk Radio. See you then. See you then. Have a great soccer until then, people. And you can find out what works everywhere you can. Have a good day. You are the king of Canadian podcasts. <laughs> Again, thanks to Daniel Farisi for joining us on this special live edition of Off the Woodworks for the Felipe trade to New York. One question from Jonathan Malo is asking me, how do I feel about the players that we received today not being able to play in the CCL because they're cup tied with the New York Red Bulls. They played in the CCL for the Red Bulls, which uh, in a couple weeks ago, we, we know. So with that, what I say, I'm uh, really happy about it. Why? Because... That way, you'll know that they won't play in that game. So you don't even have to think about them for the CCL game. You can focus on the starting 11 that you want to have for those games that you know already. And you have almost a month of training to get your starting 11 ready for that. And you already know that those players are not part of it. So they can focus totally on MLS with those players and the other players that can focus for the CCL. And that is good because you need players that have role in a team to accept those roles and know those roles. Going forward, if for example, Montreal makes it to the final, those players will play in the MLS and save time, save playing time of maybe the top players of the club that could play on uh, the CCL. So that could be interesting, could be really a good thing. So again, thank you for listening to Off The Woodworks. If there's anything, Off The Woodworks at Hotmail.com, at Kev Laramie, at Off The Woodworks. And until next time on the show, have a great soccer. <laughs>